Let's read together Judges chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. In this first half of Judges 3, we have the first judge of Israel, Othniel, the nephew of Caleb. Judges chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them, to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to be their sons, and they served their gods. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel, who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hands, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. All right, once again, let's look at some background notes. The period of the judges was a period of about 350 years in Israel's history. It extended from the time of Joshua's death until the time of King Saul, the first king of Israel. You will remember that Saul was anointed by the prophet Samuel. In fact, Samuel, who is most likely the author of Judges, is sometimes considered the last of the judges and the first of the prophets in Israel. Here in the first half of Judges chapter 3, we have the record of the first judge in Israel. His name was Othniel. He was the nephew of Caleb, and he's already been mentioned in the book of Judges, back in Judges chapter 1. In verses 7 through 11, here in Judges 3, we can see the five-stage sin cycle that we talked about in Judges chapter 2. Now let's follow the five stages as we read the verses again. Verse 7, So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. This is stage number one, the sin stage, or the wandering away from the Lord stage. Verse eight, therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. This is stage two, or God's discipline stage, when God would allow a foreign power to come in and oppress the people. Verse 9, then the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. This is stage 3, or the repentance and calling out to the Lord stage. The end of verse 9 and verse 10, 
The Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. This is stage four, or the salvation and restoration stage, when God would raise up a judge to deliver the people. In this case, it was Othniel. And finally, verse 11. So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. This is stage five, the rest stage, when there would be a measure of moral reform and return to the Lord until the judge died and the people would start the cycle again. We said that there were seven such sin cycles in the book of Judges. Here in the first half of Judges 3, we have the first cycle with Othniel as the first judge of Israel. Well, there's more background we could give there, but we need to move now to our doctrinal teaching points. Doctrinal or teaching point number one, God uses a believer's mistakes along with his wisdom for testing and training. God uses a believer's mistakes along with his wisdom, that is God's wisdom, for testing and training. When God brought Israel into the land of promise at the time of the conquest, Israel's responsibility before the Lord was to completely cleanse the land of all enemies. God did not want any pockets or enclaves of the enemy left around to influence his people with their idolatrous and immoral practices. But Israel failed in their responsibility. They conquered the enemy, but they did not completely drive the enemy out of the land. And sure enough, these foreign enclaves of leftover enemies began to influence God's people, and it wasn't long before the children of Israel intermarried with these pagans and adopted their gods, as we see there in verses 5 through 7. Question, did God give up and reject his people at this point? Answer, no, he did not. That's the good news of the book of Judges. God continued to patiently work with his people, the children of Israel. He disciplined them, and he raised up judges to deliver them. Furthermore, he used their mistake of not completely driving out the enemy to test them and to train them. Look back at chapter 2, if you would, verses 20 through 23. God said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel, whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. You see how God used Israel's failure to further test his people? And look at chapter 3 now, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. And verse 4. And they were left that he might test Israel by them, to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord. So Israel's mistake in not driving out the enemy was used by God to test the new generation. And not only test the people, 
but also teach them and train them. Look at verse 2. This was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war. So do you see the lesson? Israel's mistakes and failure were not justified, but God used their failure along with his wisdom to further test and train his people. And God does the same in our lives as well. Our failures are never justified, but God can take our mistakes and use them for testing us, even training us and others in spiritual warfare. Let's take an example. Consider the matter of making major decisions in our lives, like career decisions, marriage decisions, use of money decisions. We can make some big mistakes in these areas if we don't follow the Lord, right? Now, what happens when we fail in one of these areas? We certainly reap what we've sown, and God disciplines us, but here's the point. We are further tested by the bad fallout. Will we continue to make more mistakes, or will we pass the tests and let God guide us? In addition, our mistakes and their consequences become case studies from which other believers can learn. Illustration. When I teach my students about the pitfalls of the sin of materialism or the problems resulting from divorce, I have numerous examples to point to. The students can see for themselves the consequences of these sins and learn for themselves what to do and what not to do to avoid these same mistakes. So do you see the lesson? God uses the believer's mistakes along with his wisdom for testing and training. Remember Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say all things are good, but all things God works together for good. And this includes testing and training. God uses the believer's mistakes along with his wisdom for testing and training. Doctrinal point number two, God uses a believer's experience along with his power for victory and deliverance. God uses a believer's experience along with his power for victory and deliverance. We see this doctrinal point or lesson in the life of Othniel. Why was Othniel successful in his war against the army of Hushan Rishathaim? Well, you say it was the power of the Lord, as we see in verse 10. Right on. But God also used Othniel's experience. We read back in Judges chapter 1 that Othniel was already battle-hardened. Othniel had taken up Caleb's challenge and conquered a stronghold near Hebron. So Othniel had the experience of both a godly heritage, being related to Caleb, and the experience of battle. Now, do you see the lesson? God uses our experiences along with his power for victory and deliverance. You know, we just received a letter from a young man in Africa that heard our radio broadcast. He said that he believes God has called him to fight the good fight as an evangelist. He's a new Christian, and that he wants to grow as a Christian at a very fast rate. Question, can God empower this young man as an evangelist and use him greatly 
in fighting the good fight? Yes. But he also needs to get some experience in the word and in the things of God. Experience and God's power go together, as we see here in the life of Othniel. God uses a believer's experience along with his power for victory and deliverance. What about practical application? Beware of creeping compromise. Beware of creeping compromise. During the days of the judges, the children of Israel did not become idol worshipers overnight. No, they gradually compromised with the enemy. Look at verses 5 and 6 once again. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. Notice the creeping compromise. They first lived with the enemy. Then they intermarried with the enemy. And finally, they served the gods of the enemy. What a lesson for the church today and for us as well. Beware of creeping compromise. You know, this lesson is so important for families. I know several Christian families that have lost their children to the idols of this world. And it didn't happen overnight. The parents gradually allowed materialism to suck them into this world. They lost interest in the things of the Lord. The children grew up and married unbelievers. They now serve the gods of this world. Beware of creeping compromise.